The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. We have a extremely busy show today. We are going to talk about Austin FC's home opener versus the San Jose Earthquakes. We're also going to talk to Christian Polanco from the Cooligans. He was in town for the game, so we're going to get a little bit of uh, insight on his experience and what he thought of the game. And then we're also going to talk to Patrick Murphy from the Massive Report in Columbus and give a little preview of uh, of the Columbus game coming up and ask him whether or not he thinks this is going to become a prop- proper rivalry. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the midweek Minnesota game. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and I am tired by that intro. Um, and a little <laughs> bit still, like, coming down off the weekend, I spent yesterday scrolling social media, like, looking at everybody's posts and videos from it the madness so good, that was the first it? match. It was so good. So let's just talk a little bit about our own experiences, and I'll just start by asking you, so how did you, how did you get there, when did you get there, and sort of, like, what what was your day like? Oh yeah, this is good to talk about. So transit is a is a like kind of a big topic around these games and I think will be for this foreseeable future. So I uh I live on the south side of town, so did a bunch of research into what would be the fastest way. The 803 bus leaves not far from my house, but it was going to take like an hour and 15 minutes once you got on the bus to even get to the stadium. So we decided to drive north to the North Lamar Transit Center, which took about 20 minutes to get there and then caught the 383 bus up to the stadium, which took another 15 minutes or so. Uh, we got there in less than an hour from, from like William Cannon in South Austin. So pretty, uh, pretty efficient. And then it was free. So we didn't have to buy tickets or anything, just stepped on a bus and sat down and they took us there. So it was, it was pretty easy. Yeah, that, that, that was, and we took the, uh, we went to the Lake line, uh, center, which is about three miles from our house, uh, hopped on the red line. And uh, I'd say 80% of the people on the train were dressed the same, uh, all their Austin FC jerseys. Um, rode the train down, and it was like 20 minutes to Kramer Station. Um, and, you know, it's really... I had the impression, maybe from reading uh, people from Columbus who are experts on how long it takes to walk places, <laughs> that it was going to be like a super long walk. But I would say from the Kramer Station to Hop Squad was like seven minutes for pregame. And then if, like from Hop Squad to the stadium's like, what, 10 minutes or something too? Like... It was, yeah. it was really easy. I so we we were walking from the bus stop to Hop Squad and crossed the train tracks there on uh on Breaker and looked over and could see the station. And I was like, that looks too close, but I know there's not another station there. So I was like, it's actually a very easy walk. So if you're on the train line, then that seems like a no-brainer to do that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a really easy trip. So we ran into each other Hop Squad, we did a little um video i don't even know what it was we did we did the striker live oh uh, it was like a live stream for the striker yeah Yeah. for the striker that was that was fun for a bit uh roberto asked a bunch of questions um tried to get me to trash somebody in order to make them play play better (laughs) which i singled at roddy redis and i don't know that he lived up to that uh exactly but it was okay he didn't play he didn't oh that's right that's right (laughs) he wasn't part of the substitution pattern well darn it um yeah yeah, overall good time march the match Met the bus, all that stuff was pretty amazing. Yeah, the the march was was pretty fantastic. I took some video and posted it to to Twitter and Instagram on the Moon Tower Soccer accounts. And getting up to the steps in front of the stadium and looking back 
like I knew there were a lot of people, but even I, like when I turned around and started filming there, I was like, holy crap, this, this goes back a long way. And it's a very wide snake of people coming down the street. And that like, that was a pretty, a pretty cool moment to look back and just like, cause there's, we've never done this stuff before. Right. I didn't know what it's going to look like. And yeah, that was a pretty impactful moment right there coming around that corner into the stadium. Yeah, and I remember thinking that when we, you know, Denver was probably a couple hundred, and so that's a little, that's a little bit what I was, I was expecting for this one, but it was way more than that. I mean, it, it blew. I had a friend um, who who met me kind of halfway, um, who went to the game with me, and I was telling her about it, and she said she was expecting, you know, this little stream of folks with banners, and was just amazed by like the the flow of folks all dressed and chanting and all the flags and all that. I mean, what what a great what a great experience to get to get in and be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it seemed like the players were extremely appreciative of the atmosphere in the stadium. Uh, San Jose's coach s- mentioned how special it was. I I could be wrong, but I'm 90, 95% sure that when the game ended, J.C. Marcinkowski, San Jose's goalkeeper, turned around and clapped the supporter section. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know. That that was all really special. The um, the to start off with the tifo the tifo was amazing uh to see something that the community the fan community created uh and then the having having McConaughey come out we'll we'll talk about McConaughey with uh with Christian Polanco here in a little bit so we'll kind of leave that out for now but that was pretty cool and then just to see that supporter section going crazy and certain moments i i know all the songs and so like i knew what was about to happen. And my parents came to the game with me and during, uh, I think it's the club de cuervos song. So the game was going on and I just like tapped my mom on the show. Like I wasn't going to miss the game. But I was like, mom, you should watch the supporter section in about five seconds. Cause it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and, uh, that, that like, I think the two things that surpassed all expectations were how amazing the supporter section was. I, I like I knew it was going to be big. I knew it was going to be special, but it's the first time we've done it like live. And so maybe there's going to be some kinks to work out. That didn't seem to be the case at all. It, it was rocking already from day one. One of the best MLS atmosphere atmospheres that exists. Um, number two, the thing that surprised me or like exceeded expectations the most was how good the view from my seats are. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's great. It's uh, yeah, it, they're very good. And like, I know some people are gonna hear this and say like, oh, well, you, you paid three thousand dollars for them. I did not get fancy pants seats. This is recorded on this show. They're uh, very well located, normal person seats. But yeah, the the view was was amazing. And it's having not seen that many soccer games in person before. It was that was pretty pretty awesome. And I'm I'm very happy with <laughs> with the view from there. Yeah, one other fan moment that I think we should get into before we talk about the actual game was the uh, the uh, Macala Olala at the end, right? Whenever everybody got their everybody got their phones out near the yeah. end of the match, like at eighty five or whatever, and that was like started the supporter section, but that was throughout the whole stadium too, which I thought was really cool to see that that picked, you know, that really everybody picked that up really quickly. I think everybody everybody picked up um all right, all right, all right, because that's kind of been the signature chant, you know, throughout all of this, and then. One of the other ones seemed to like cover the whole stadium. I can't remember what it was right now. Um, 
Yeah, I don't remember either, but some of the easier ones picked up. And uh, some of the people around where we were sitting were just singing Ole, Ole, Ole to All Right, All Right, All Right. And I was like, nah, they'll learn. It's they'll fine. Learn. It's yeah. It sounds the same to everyone else right now. So <laughs> as long that's as right. they're singing, that's fine. Uh, so to before we talk about the game, I thought it'd be fun to bring in the interview I did with uh, Christian Polanco a little earlier. He was brought in to the game by... Uh, I believe Captain Morgan brought in some like media folks. And so he took advantage and got to come to the the stadium opening. Uh, and so I thought it'd be interesting to to kind of get an outsider's view of of what he thought of Austin, what he thought of the stadium and what he thought of the, the game day atmosphere. So um, we'll cut over to that interview right now with Christian Polanco from the Cooligans. All right, we are now joined by one of these soccer cooligans. Some would say the coolest soccer cooligan. Don't tell Alexis we said that. Christian Polanco. Christian, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you so much for having me, Landon. It's nice to uh, be on this Zoom call uh, just as much as it was in real life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so this was, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your first trip since COVID started and then your first time to Austin, correct? Uh, yeah, as far as definitely like getting on a plane to go anywhere. Yes. First trip, uh, first like cooligans related thing, uh, that we've done since, uh, the pandemic began. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was great. So what were your overall impressions of the city? Of uh, the city was, that uh, well, before I went out there, I had posted on Twitter saying that I was going to go. I got about 4,000 different taco <laughs> spot recommendations, which I didn't even realize. I understand like, a, you know, a city could be known for something, but wow, it is uh, on point. Every single person had had their own place, their own. Do you, this is why you should go to this one and not that one. Or there's a, you know, this clear, they could be like a taco derby, I think, in Austin <laughs> with how <laughs> how fierce the rivalries seem to be. But um, it, impressions, I, I always say this because uh, my impressions of cities are often um, clouded by the fact that most of the time, most of the reasons why I'm there is for something soccer related. Yeah. And everywhere I go, soccer supporters are always super nice and kind and, and <laughs> welcoming. So I'm like, Austin's great. Minnesota is great. Atlanta, oh my God, that place is great. I, like, I have no, no differing opinion of, of all these cities. Uh, so we had planned to get some food. I think you landed on Thursday and you yeah. you told me that you were like, oh yeah, I'm in, I'm in line getting tacos. And I was like, oh, well, I was going to take you to get tacos later today, but we can go somewhere else. And you're like, uh, what, what's the problem? I, I don't like, I don't understand the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, this is, this is what you do here. I had no problem with it. Every, every, um, you know, I'm not the food aficionado, uh, like Alexis is, um, but what tacos are a, a food that is not, it's not too fancy where you'll, you're like, Oh, I don't, what is the, my palate, you know, it's not like wine tasting. Yeah. It's just, it's just good or not good or flavorful <laughs> or not flavorful. So uh, the more the merrier. I was happy to have as many tacos as possible. Oh yeah. For, for the record listeners, I think you had Veracruz for lunch one day. Uh, and yes. then we went to uh, Vaquero Taquero for dinner that night, which um, yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. That's a, a, a balanced 
meal in both places. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was totally fine. I loved it. Um, so what was your favorite part of this trip? So not including the soccer match itself. So like Saturday night aside, what was your favorite part of this trip? Um, it was cool to obviously like link up with you. Uh, uh, you know, so you, you introduced me to a couple other supporters. Uh, uh, we were hanging out with your wife as well. Like the, it, it, honestly, that, that is the, 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 the thing that I appreciate the most is like the people around the soccer community. Cause everyone is just like really cool. And, 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 and is like given, you know, since we've started our show, and people like appreciate uh, the show and people are like, I want to I want to show you what we're doing out here. So when we went to Oscar Blues um, that I, I don't I don't take those moments for granted because, I, you know, depending on what city you're in, some supporters can be like, no, this is our thing. We don't let outsiders in. Sometimes they're like that. Not all the time. But it is a you know, to see that, uh, you know, the the La Murga and the band playing all the songs, really getting everybody like ready for what was about to happen the next day at the game. That was like it was cool to really like be a part of that. And also I can't get the the Cinco Doce chant out of my head. <laughs> I love I mean, I love Selena. Who doesn't love Selena? But that song is just it's one of the. I was thinking about it today. I'm like, man, that is one of the cleverest, nostalgic chants you could have in soccer. It was just perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're big proud of, of Selena here in Texas. And so we, we had to work one of those into the, yeah, into the repertoire for sure. <laughs> um, so going into the match day, what were your overall impressions of the, of the stadium and just kind of the, the general game day environment? Well, like, uh, so luckily I, I had the privilege of going, I, I went there a day early and I got to actually take a tour of the stadium. Uh, so I got to see every like nook and cranny and like all the, uh, the from the supporter section to the, the, the luxury club boxes and all this other stuff. And overall, it's like, um, there, there's a clear, like, um, you know, identities to, to like each, each part of the stadium. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of Audi field. It's, it's, it's like, a uh, an Audi field is like pretty modern and you can sense it when you're there, but it feels a little bit more, um, it's a little s smaller in, in, in some sense, like just a little, and it feels a little bit like you're like, when you're walking through the concourses, you're like, like it, it feels more familial if that makes any sense like it's just like it, it's a little the, the concourses are like a little narrower you're like closer to everybody it feels like uh, uh like a family sort of environment like you're you're about to uh like if you're watching a kid's soccer game and everybody's kind of like near each other or in, on, on like little benches and stuff like that uh, around the around the field so the, I mean, the, the stadium is great. It's like, uh, I'm jealous as an NYCFC fan. <laughs> uh, the, the envy is, is real. Um, but the, I mean, the, the ambiance was what was so memorable for me is it is one, like to, to have your first home game and to have that many supporters that organized all singing, they were clearly very loud. Uh, I mean, and starting a game when, a hype video from Matthew McConaughey and him hitting the, it was ridiculous. I'm like, <laughs> this is insane. Wow. How is this? How is it? it, 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 it I was telling uh, other people, I'm like, man, 
this the Matthew McConaughey when he was out with the drum that was like cool and and I already saw like on um, people on Twitter like cringe and blah 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 and these like these people are not fun people these you don't want to be around <laughs> oh, how could he why would you say that it's just like such a even if even if it's like uh uh you know people want soccer to be like a certain way but this is like so cool uh and then the the monologue that he did in that video I'm like it felt like <laughs> It felt like um, Lincoln lawyer, you know, like a like a like an impassioned speech that he would give in a movie. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, "Yo, all right, this is dope. I'm I'm up for this." Um, and then and yeah, and then you know him coming out and doing the whole thing with the drum, like with the bongo. It was again perfect uh, uh, and a good throwback to uh, his his making fun of his <laughs> his history. Uh, so so yeah. All of that, like it, it, it was a show, and I and I think for Texas, um, and 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 that's another another thing that I really sense that you know I think I've gone to uh, new stadiums and uh, around MLS and and seen like the support culture and stuff like that, but this felt different in that, and I didn't even realize it until I really got there. Was that you guys have never really had a professional like division one for top tier sports team uh and that is what was that's what i really noticed from a lot of people everybody was just so proud to have uh, a team there uh, that's playing at the highest level that i i i didn't expect that until i i thought it was going to be like skeptical texans and stuff like that but it was the complete opposite everybody was like legit on board yeah it's it's been crazy to see how how much of the city is paying attention to it at this point and people who would have never even thought about mls even yeah. two or three months ago oh this is my one critique this is the one thing that they, and this will i will imagine will get better over time but i imagine a lot of the, uh, the the seats that i was in i was like maybe uh i was kind of in the center pitch but about like 25 rows back and there were um, I assume a lot of people maybe hadn't gone to soccer games before, um, but there were a lot of people in my row that kept kept getting up to get drinks. <laughs> you can't do this in soccer. You do it at halftime. You do it before the game. You can't do it during the game because it's disruptive, obviously, to the people in the row. But also, you're going to miss. The lines are pretty long, especially yeah. on the, the first game. Lines are pretty long. There were people there that missed like the first 30 minutes. Because <laughs> they went to get beers. Like you could get beer everywhere else. Watch the game. That's my one. That's my one criticism. Yeah, I I think there's probably you could tell like even just with reactions to certain things in the game that there there are soccer fans in that stadium. But I think there's a lot of people like you said probably haven't been to many soccer games and and are gonna have to learn that like oh this is different and yeah because when they come back with their their pizza and their heineken or whatever they're like <laughs> oh the game's half over now okay cool yeah um going going back to mcconaughey there for a second we were talking the other night about how i was always kind of a mcconaughey skeptic or like just didn't really take him very seriously before sure. and when he like forced his way into my life by becoming an owner of Austin <laughs> FC. Um, I still like, I, I still don't love everything he says and does, but his energy is like undeniable. And just like that, that charisma that he has. 
And so you could say like, oh, it's goofy that he went out in a green suit and is banging a bongo. But whenever you see him start doing it and watch some of those videos played back and see those that supporter section interacting with it, it was it's pretty special. And even even McConaughey's skeptics could watch (laughs) that and be like, okay, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I I guess, you know, him being from Austin, I'm sure he's like, uh, you know, uh, a a a notable figure. I'm, uh, you know, from New York. I just know him from movies and i'm like okay this he's a good you know what what would um wolf not was it wolf of wall street which is the movie the financing where he was yeah uh like banging on his chest and the whole thing he has just these moments he is a guy he's a man of moments that are so memorable and that is what like builds a lot of uh careers especially uh, you know for for actors uh in hollywood and look if he could bring some of those memorable moments to soccer I'm cool with it. You know, I, 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 this is, I'm, I'm, I felt lucky to be there and see that cringe or not or whatever. (laughs) Like I I find the criticize it. I think it's something so unique to American soccer that I I think part of the, 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 you know, the, the criticism that people give is a little bit of envy. I'm sure you don't think they'll take, uh, Matthew McConaughey at a Crystal Palace game, hyping up the fans. Uh, they wouldn't <laughs> say no to that <laughs> ever. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, some other criticism that Austin FC fans have gotten recently was the uh, like the chant practice in the stadium. Some some pictures got posted that online, and people were like, "Oh, it's a stupid plastic, whatever other nonsense criticism." I, I saw that, I saw know, the the guy who wrote the tweet. I went up to uh, Phil. He he saw me at the stadium. He's like, "Hey, Christian." I'm like, "It was you, wasn't it?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about it. We were laughing about it. It was funny. I think I, I think whenever people in Austin are like familiar with what La Murga is doing and like what we all knew was going to happen on Saturday, yeah, um, probably felt a little bit like vindicated having seen what kind of energy was in the stadium because it's it's not just people going into the stadium and like, okay, whenever the corner kick happens, we yell shots, 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 (laughs) shots, shots. It's like, it's a bit more complex than that. What, what La Morga is doing. And it's essentially a band practice. And so the band had been practicing in the stadium for a couple of months now. And now that COVID protocols are, are loosening a little bit, they let the fans like other fans go in and sing along with them just to kind of get a sense of what it's going to be like in there. And so I think that kind of got lost in a photo and a caption on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Look, Landon, you do not have to justify that at all. Every supporters group practices every, they all do. It was just, (laughs) you guys will always be a target because of the Columbus thing. and, And, and that is just, something you're going to have to deal with probably for the rest of your life. I don't know. Like it is, uh, look, and the, the plane even, right. That, that kind of, uh, threw some shade over something that, that is, was, was very unique and special as a comedian. I'm like, this is hilarious. The bands <laughs> is wild that this is the, I'm like, who's going to take responsibility for this? Cause I still haven't seen who is, is specifically responsible, but I saw that, plane fly over uh uh and it said it said pre-court is a snake and i'm like man <laughs> you gotta love it you gotta love it I, it's like it, it's and and even i i had taken the photo 
And I don't know if I was one of the first to put it up on, on Twitter. I put it on the Cooligans Twitter. I think but... you were the most popular person to put it on Twitter. All right. So that, <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. Uh, and there are there are Austin fans and Columbus fans fighting in my mentions right now <laughs> about this. And, and you know, and there's all the jokes and, and some people are being very mean and rude to each other. But this is the, the nature of it. And, and um, I know the next, the next, not the next, is the next game against Columbus? No. Uh, we've got a midweek weekend. game against Minnesota and the next weekend's Columbus. Oh, can't wait. I'm a, <laughs> I can't wait to watch that one. Man. I wish that was the first game at home. That would have been nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I think those of us who have been like following this all the way, all the way through, like since the beginning, our skin's pretty thick at this point, because like yeah. you said, we were a target then and we're going to continue to be a target. And so I think a few years ago, I would like a lot of us might have been like felt a little bit of a sting from a plane that says pre-court is a snake. <laughs> but I think most of the people who have been paying attention to this for a long time saw it and probably had the same reaction I did, which was to laugh because yeah. <laughs> you spent a, like, probably a lot of money on that. And how like what percentage of the stadium even knew what that meant? Like exactly less than 20 percent. it's got to be right maybe even f- less than that but um but yeah I, I think at the end of the night just the kind of energy that that supporter section was creating and the atmosphere in the whole stadium i don't like i don't understand how any any austin fan after that could feel like self-conscious about any of that because it was it was really special to be a part of for sure yeah yeah i i mean it all it was missing was a goal Oh, absolutely. That. that the building would have exploded if, yeah. if a goal had been <laughs> scored at the end there. <laughs> All right. Well, Christian, thanks so much for joining us and take, taking a little bit of time to share your experience in Austin. Uh, before we, we wrap up, where can our listeners find your work? If, if, if by chance some of our listeners don't know already know where to find you, where can they All, find you? Oh, good. You can uh, you can watch the Cooligans on Fubo TV every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're on Fubo Sports Network. You can go to FuboSportsNetwork.com to watch the show for free. Uh, or if you're a Fubo TV subscriber, I'm sure you've seen my face on the menu from time to time. <laughs> uh, and we do uh, we have the Cooligans podcast as well, which you could uh, just search uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us at Soccer Cooligans on everything. Awesome. Thanks, Christian. We'll have to get you in and Alexis back down here soon. No doubt, brother. Thank you again. All right. We want to thank Christian Polanco one more time for joining us. Christian, is he's such a good dude. Him and Alexis from the Cooligans are such good dudes. Listeners, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the Cooligans, I think they're doing some of the the coolest thing, like one of the coolest things in MLS culture right now, which is kind of expanding that bubble of of bringing like a, a larger culture. They don't always even talk about the game of soccer. They talk about players and kind of the culture surrounding the game. And so th- I think they're doing something really special and, and have um, created a pretty big and loyal fan base. So if you're not familiar with their work, check it out, either the TV show or they put it out as a podcast as well. But it's it's excellent, very funny, and always very entertaining. Um, Christian and I got to know each other in – I was traveling to New York quite a bit for work a few years ago. And um, I, I just reached out one time, and he was super nice. And so we hung out at a, at a game, NYCFC game one time. And then I would go back to town, and they – I just reach out and say, Hey, I'm back in town. Like, yeah, let's go get lunch and would invite me out to go do stuff. And we're always 
the nicest guys in the world. But um, I was very excited for him to come here because knowing, uh, like being on the inside here in Austin, I think we all knew what was being created here and how special it was going to be. But I didn't, it didn't feel like the outside world had quite picked that up yet. Right. So I was very excited to have him here and to, to kind of show off our culture. And he came out to the Morga party and I got to introduce him to guys like Rigo and Mateo and, uh, and all the, all those people who kind of helped build that, the Morga, Morga culture up. And then the folks who had built, helped build the supporters, uh, supporters culture here. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And I was, I was really proud to kind of show, show our culture off to, to someone from the outside. And, uh, yeah. And I, I think he had a good time. I think he was impressed with it all. And I think Austin should be, should be very proud of what happened on Saturday, even if we didn't win the game, but, uh, yeah, let's jump in and talk about that game. How about it? Yeah, let's do it. And one thing I want to add, because you're always like, oh, I'm landing a guy from West Texas. And you're like, and then I played in a traveling band and then I hung out with the Cooligans and I lived like on the coast in Spain. <laughs> so like, I feel like every time we do one of these shows, like I find out something, some, something new about like Landon's world travels or adventures. Or maybe like, do you have any other secrets you want to reveal now? Or should we just talk about the game? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like to I like to remain a mystery, Jeremiah. So we'll we'll save it for another anecdote in the podcast at some point. Okay, it sounds good. Sounds good. Let's talk about the lineup. So yeah, it was same eleven as the last two games, right? Uh, right. No changes, but we were curious to see what the formation was going to be. Uh, just I think in Chris Bills's preview before the game, he predicted that we would see a four three three again, uh, just to try to maybe control the game a bit more in possession and we he was right we saw that 4-3-3 with Cecilio at the nine um I think later on they might have shifted a little bit to a 4-4-2 but it was um less so than what we saw in in the previous game but they were still defending in a 4-4-2 so Pochettino would go up and and be up top with Cecilio in uh in defense but then in attack it was a straight up four three three with Cecilio playing that false nine and dropping in and getting involved in uh, in build up and and kind of combining with the midfielders there. So I I thought this was a pretty for a nil nil draw. This was a pretty exciting game, right? Like it was a lot of fun to watch, even though there were no goals scored. It, it was, and uh, and I heard that from uh, people who had never who've only seen soccer on tv and what so one of the things i heard is like the live in-game experience is just miles better than watching the game on tv sort of no matter what but yeah i had that same thought too it was like the most exciting nil nil draw of my life and then i also didn't know i mean i've got a lot of emotional investment in what was saturday and if that had been a you know wednesday in september you know against salt lake city would i feel that same way or not so it's very hard for me to be objective about about how exciting it was but i mean we did generate a lot of chances I and mean, that's something we can that we'll talk about throughout right there was a lot of opportunity um and i feel i think we talked about this last week where i feel like sometimes josh talks about opportunities and lack of ruthlessness and i feel like he's overblowing a little bit but i did feel like in this match like we had a lot of really really good chances that we didn't that we didn't convert so i, I can buy that that it was a pretty exciting nil nil draw yeah, for sure. Um, the first chance in this game came in the 10th minute with uh, Diego Fugundes. It was a, a free kick from a little bit deeper. Uh, Cecilio took it. Uh, it wasn't a very great delivery. The first one in wasn't, uh, but the rebound bounced out to Kolmanich, 
who put in a really nice cross that uh, Diego Fagundes was able to get his head on. It was kind of a high arching one, and it didn't look super dangerous at first, but uh, he, he forced Marcinkowski to make a save, and it that was going in the top corner if if Marcinkowski didn't get, to, get didn't get to that one. And so that was um, a really promising chance early on. And that, um, that was I wanted, one, oh, I was going to say on the on the rewatch because. I didn't quite appreciate like live in the stadium how close that was, but I thought yeah. about on the rewatch like that would have people would have blown the roof off that stadium if ten yeah. minutes in that would have gone in. And that just maybe for actually the first time, at very first I was like, I wonder if he's going to score. And then I was like, wait a minute, I saw this game yesterday. I know for sure that it's like <laughs> he's not going to. But I thought, man, what a what a I mean a waste not a wasted opportunity, you know. But like that that could have been it would have been incredible if that had gone in and like what that might have meant for the rest of the night. It's just yeah something to think about. For sure. Um, one thing I want to mention at this point in time is I just said Cecilio's delivery wasn't great. I don't really like Cecilio taking set pieces. Uh, I feel like we have other players on the team who are more dangerous on them. One of them being Kolmanich. I think Kolmanich's crosses are are beautiful, and I there I'm sure there's other strategy going into it about in swingers and out swingers because I think we saw three or four different guys take set pieces, and so. I'm not sure what the strategy is there, but most of Cecilio's weren't great deliveries and weren't really in the most dangerous spots. Whereas when we saw Kolmanich or Pochettino take them, they tended to be a little bit more accurate and, and get into more dangerous spots. So um, John ended up taking, John Kolmanich ended up taking several more later in the game, but I, that's something I'd like to see more of and see, get Cecilio in the box where he can maybe put one of those in. But um, the a next moment that I wanted to hit was... Uh, Christian Espinosa got in behind Jean Kolmanich, um, gets to the edge of the box and puts in a low cross. And it looked like that was going to be a really dangerous moment. And all of a sudden, Alex Ring comes out of nowhere, sprinting back from, from deep in the midfield to slide in and block it. And I think I've seen some criticism of, of Ring for this game. Uh most of it with what he was doing going forward. And I'll, there's another thing that I'll, I'll criticize him for later in the game, but there were three or four moments where he really like saved another player's bacon with a heroic play like that. And so I, yeah, I think there's, there's reasons to criticize his, his uh, attacking prowess. Um, but what he gives to you in, in plays like this, I think he more than makes up, makes up for any of that. Um, in the 16th minute, there was a, I didn't really, I, I, I noticed it during the game, but didn't really think that much about it, but, uh, there was a possible goal shout. And so it's again, Cecilia taking a free kick from deep Julio Cascante got his head on it and, uh, it went straight at Marcinkowski and it looked like he carried the ball backwards into his own goal. Um, which I was like, well, are they going to look at that? But then they blew the whistle. And I, th- I think I saw some people posting about that on social media saying that should have been a goal. But I think they called a foul on Cascante for like pushing off of somebody when he went up for the header. So I don't think there was much there. Um, I think one of Cecilio's wasted chances came in the 40th minute. There's a corner for San Jose. It falls to uh, La Trophies on the back side of the box, like on the far side of the box. Cecilio is rushing at him and kind of pokes it away and Trophies like falls down and Cecilio is able to jump over him. Cecilio ga- gathers the ball and sprints up field, springs a counterattack. Um, he has Stroud in a ton of space on the, on the right-hand side. 
and Cecilio tries to hit it with the outside of his foot, but kind of mishits it, and it just falls to his center back. And Stroud Stroud looked pretty upset with that. Oh, I remember there, that look. I remember that look too. Yeah, yeah, that could have been a really great chance there. That was a little bit wasted by just a lack of execution, but uh, kind of the the story of the season so far, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know Josh talked about that a lot we, when we talk about x goals we'll see that too but josh talked about that a lot in the press conferences both after the game and and this week about the uh lack of finishing and i think i mean our expected goals are like 12 and we've scored six um so far so there's plenty of chances that are going unmet out on the field yeah um in the 41st minute uh chris wondolowski put in a cross that kind of forced an awkward save it looked like it was one of those that was probably uh like a cross to the back post that he was hoping somebody would slide into. Stuver comes off the line and blocks it. Uh, Christian Espinosa is coming in hot on the the other side, and Beasler does what what Matt Beasler does best. He kind of lunges in, sticks one foot in at the exact right moment, and prevents a shot from getting off. So uh, we saw Matt Be- Matt Beasler have a bunch of block shots last week, and he did had a few really important ones this week as well. Um, so that was the half. There wasn't a ton of chances in the first half we ended up seeing more in the second one thing i wanted to mention at halftime is the the grounds crew coming out the pitch looked like it was getting a little bit torn up during the game you could see spots where there was like big wrinkles in the field and divots being pulled up uh you could see weston applefeller the the head groundskeeper and his team going out there Uh, one thing i wanted to ask since you're a little bit closer to the field than i am could you see Weston's face really need the ground the grounds crew's face and like what was the mood on the field with those guys yeah so Weston for at least the first half basically the whole first half sort of occupied the southwest corner which is around by supporters which is where we were and uh he was like squatted down low with you know I mean he was obviously concerned about what was going on you know I mean there were big chunks of it coming up and on the broadcast they talked about um what was going on? It seemed like it was mostly on the edges, um, sort of toward the sort of toward the the side the sidelines on the field. But yeah, he had that, and he was sitting on a big Yeti bucket full of something. I don't know, if it's sand or dirt or whatever. <laughs> Sunflower when, seeds. Yeah, when when play would go to the <laughs> yes, yeah, there you go. When when play would go to the north end, he would sort of sneak over to the edges and like stomp down some divots and stuff. So definitely, he was, you know, because we, we had him on the show before, um, and I think we asked him what he would do, you know, during the first match. And he talked a lot about like laying on like being low to the ground and like taking photos of what was going on and stuff and I did see him at times where like he was like almost laying down with his phone out like taking pictures of specific areas of the field so I think you know trying to find you know find out what to work on it or whatever so I don't have like an educated turf science degree opinion upon the cause of that but the one thing I do know is like this turf is supposed to be super drought resistant right because that was one of the things we talked about and I can't imagine that like the rainiest may in Austin history did a lot of favors for um for for a turf that's like sold on a different um sort of different characteristics but Weston, yeah. if you if you want to talk to us again and correct that if if you listen we you know we'd, <laughs> we'd love to hear about it cuz i know i know people are interested and people care yeah yeah i i, I can i i was too far away to see what weston's face was looked like but i i could imagine that he was pretty stressed out during that time i saw at one point Julio Cascante, it was very early on in the game, I think. There was like an errant pass, and Julio Cascante hustled over the line and kind of slid and like swept the ball with his leg back into play and then picked up and, and was able to play it forward. But after that, he kind of went back and just like picked up a big chunk of the 
of the turf and like threw it back into the hole that it came out of. So, um, yeah, hopefully that is just a rain thing and not a, a larger issue, but we'll, I guess we'll find out if they're able to get it back into good, into good shape by Sunday for the Columbus game. Um, so in the second half, there were a lot more chances in the second half. I thought Austin controlled the the beginning of that half uh, pretty well. But then later on, as the heat started getting to players and people got tired, it was wide open for the last 30 minutes or so. Um, the first real chance for Austin was in the 51st minute. Um, Gallagher, he, he looked like a man on a mission on that left wing. With We talked about last week. San Jose doing that man marking system, right? They were playing Judson, who's normally a defensive midfielder. I think they've had some, some, uh, I don't know if it's injuries or, or if they're just looking to get their best players on the field, but Judson was playing at right back. And so Gallagher looked like he was, um, like, I'm going to take this guy on every time I get the ball because I know I'm going to be one on one with him. And he was pretty successful. I thought Gallagher was one of the the better players for pretty large stretches of the game. And so in this moment, in the 51st minute, he skins Judson like he had done a few times before, puts in a bouncing cross that nobody gets to. Uh, Pochettino ends up kind of following up on the backside and picks it up, puts in a really low, hard cross for uh, for Cecilio at the near, near post. He gets a foot to it, but it bounces off of Marcinkowski. Um, I don't... I don't know that there's much else Cecilia could have done given the circumstances, but uh, that was a pretty dangerous moment. Uh, mentioned criticizing Ring in the 63rd minute. There's a moment that um, that really annoyed me from Alex Ring. As much good as he did in this game, there was a moment here in the 63rd minute that I did not like. So it was a really good uh, build-up play in combination from Fagundes. I think Fagundes picked it up pretty deep on the right, on like the right-hand side. Does a big uh, long dribble into the middle, beats a guy, ends up like doing a one-two pass with Cecilio, and it uh, opened up like the movement opened up a big gap behind, um, like at the top of the box. And Alex Ring ends up running into that space. Fagundes finds him, uh, so Ring receives it and turns to goal. In that moment, there was a center back in front of Alex Ring on the right hand side. You had. Jared Stroud, who was kind of like crashing towards the penalty spot. You had John Gallagher on the left-hand side, who was kind of on the outside of the box crashing in as well. Um, just judging by line of sight, he could have easily gotten the ball to Gallagher in that moment. And I don't know that it would have been an easy shot, but it would have been a, a really dangerous moment. Um, if he would have looked to his right, Jared Stroud, it would have just been like a very easy pass, and Stroud would have had a shot from the penalty spot, essentially. Alex Ring instead takes an extra touch, dribbles forward, and takes a shot himself. The shot ended up being a pretty dangerous area and a, like a decent shot, but it ends up getting saved. Uh, I think he should have had better awareness there. I don't know that he ever even saw Stroud, which is a problem. It was wide open and not not in a blind spot or anything. He just didn't look up and see him. Um, I th- that was my biggest criticism criticism of Ring for this game is that moment. Uh, I I thought defensively he saved saved our butts a couple of times, but that one kind of irked me. So on, on the Monday press conference, Josh said that players might have been pushing too hard to be the first person to score the goal at home and left, left didn't make some passes. I mean, do you, I feel like this was the biggest example of, the, of that in, out of the whole game. 
Yeah, I th- I feel like there was a couple of times when Stroud took a shot where he could have maybe made an extra pass. Uh, Pochettino took one from deep, but he just does that. So it's always what he does, that right? That's no yeah. different. It's very on brand. Yeah. Um, and then I don't. I do. You, did Cecilio ever take one that you thought maybe he shouldn't have? I thought Cecilio. No, I thought I thought his shot selection in this game was pretty good. Yeah, and then uh, Nick Lima took a couple of shots that I was actually okay with. I usually, judging on what I've seen that so far, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I'd be happy if he never took another shot. And he took a couple this week that I was actually okay with. So uh, he has my permission to shoot again now. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the 66th minute, there was a header from Gallagher that was a decent chance. It was on target, but it got saved pretty easily. The 67th minute is about when I... and about when my heart started beating a lot faster and I was seeing if I had evidence of this and I went back and looked at my Fitbit app and it really did. Like I did the math and like the time that there was a spike in my heart rate monitor, it was about the 67th minute of the game. (laughs) So you start seeing Austin players get leggy. They, They look tired. And at that exact moment, uh, San Jose subs on Cade Cowell, who is, he's 17 year old, very good athlete. He's got young, fresh legs in this game. Uh, he's been really dangerous in a lot of moments this year as a 17 year old. Um, so that made me really nervous to see fresh athletic legs coming in, coming on against a very tired and hot Matt Beasler and Julio Cascante. Um, so that was something I was going to be watching for and like, being terrified of they ended up having a few moments uh cal did we were able to kind of minimize those fairly well but some some definitely some scary moments uh and like i said before the end of the match was wide open both teams were completely toasted uh lots of kind of half chances or moments that could have been good chances with better execution but in the 83rd minute brad stuver makes a fantastic save. Uh, San Jose was in transition. They find Ked Cal, who I mentioned before, in space. Um, I think it's maybe a little bit wide, and Cascante is able to kind of cut off the angle to make him, instead of going at goal, he kind of checks back. He lays it off to Fierro, uh, who hits a really hard curler at that back post, and a really great reaction save from Stuver. I think a better placed shot. Uh, it would have had to be a really good shot to beat to beat Stuver save, honestly, but, um, but yeah, a great save from Stuver there. Uh, another big save from Stuver in the 90th minute, San Jose, uh, was taking a corner. They found, uh, Oswaldo Alanis in the box. Um, he placed it really well, just inside the right post. And, um, yeah, Stuver was able to kind of dive over and get a hand on it. And I, I think that was maybe his best save of the game. It was like maybe not as spectacular as the one before, but that one was really big and was able to kind of essentially save the game with that one right there. Yeah. I have a coworker who, who went uh, and he texted me, I guess Sunday. Um, and he's like, and he's not a soccer fan at all. He's like, I don't know anything about soccer, but our keeper is really good. And he specifically spoke because that because his seats were really down low and he spoke specifically to those and just how quick like how quick a guy that size is on like decision making and reaction and just how he not not having like been in the stadium before and seeing that live it like didn't appreciate what all goes into that and he was just like blown away by stuver and i kind of told him welcome to the club like we are all blown away by stuver you know now but it, it was cool yeah. to hear that from somebody else that's like not a lifelong fan 
Yeah, it's there's like the craft side of goalkeeping, which I think Stuver is also quite good at, but just that reaction. And he seems to be performing really highly in, in both of those areas. So, uh, yeah, once again, King Bradley saves us. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't have to save us as, as much as he did in the last few games, but still, I think he ended up with nine saves. Um, really good performance. Uh, we ended up only using three subs, one of them in the 93rd minute. So in the the first 90 minutes, only two subs used. What what do you think? What did you think of that? And like, why why were there so few used? The only reason I can think to use that few is if Josh is looking at this like next these next eight days over like all together, you know. And and because I mean it was hot. Those guys were tired. They were getting they were getting leggy, but you know sometimes you just gotta put in a little extra a little extra effort and put in a little extra time, like in game one, to preserve some energy, you know, for others in in future matches. I mean, that's it's my best guess about why he did it. Do you have a different thought on it? No, I think it's a common. I mean, we talked about last week why he made so few subs or waited so long to sub. I I think it's a combination this week of a thin bench, just not having that many players on the bench that in the positions where he would have wanted to make a sub. And then, yeah, I think the rotation has a lot to do with it. Maybe he's saying, like, I want Rodney to go 90 on Wednesday, and so we're just going to not use him today. Um, there there could be other reasons why Rodney specifically didn't play, but I imagine these are the things that he's thinking about, is we, we're going to have to rotate with this this really heavy schedule this week. And so, yeah, I it was... Um, Hard to watch some of those guys keep running at that point. But yeah, it's it's going to be a tough week with these three games and, and traveling to Minnesota on Wednesday. So uh, yeah, I think that's probably had, had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and you know, one of those subs was like, basically Diego was unable to stand anymore after running. Yeah. Like running nonstop all match. I think we should probably talk about him next um, a little bit in terms of individual players. Absolutely. That yeah, guy was all over the place. He was such a warrior. Like so so good just his work rate was amazing he was uh always available he he's not a guy that makes like a big play like he's not that play breaker number 10 but always available to pat to to receive a pass always helping the ball move forward works really hard on uh, on defense presses really hard tracks back when he needs to and like you said he um on TV when I when I rewatched it you you couldn't see this but in in person in the stadium at one moment i think in the 92nd minute or something he's calling for a sub he's like i'm done i cannot do it anymore uh right at that moment san jose breaks and i think it's christian espinosa is is running diego's like all right i got one more in me and he sprints 60 70 yards to to close that angle down and ends up the play ends up turning turning into nothing because he kind of like stretches the track for for Espinosa where he's not able to do anything. But uh, at that point, he falls to the ground and he's like, "I can't move anymore. You have to take me off at this point." And so, w- yeah, what a yeah, like I said, absolute warrior. He's like, I think a lot of fans fell in love with him just because of how engaged he's been with the fan base and anybody who wasn't in love with him for the, those things are falling in love with him because of how hard he works on the pitch. And he said this in, in press conferences, he's like, tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to empty my tank on the field every time. Like 
you don't have to worry about that with me. I'm going to leave everything I have on the pitch every time you put me on there. Yeah. He- uh, one, one thing I saw on, uh, on Twitter was um, Stephanie Krugnola and Mike Ellison suggested that uh, yeah, you've watched, uh, you've watched Ted Lasso, right? Yes. So there's the chant that they do for Roy Kent, the Roy Kent character. And it's, uh, Roy Kent, Roy Kent, he's here, he's there, he's every effing where. And they were suggesting, Mike and, uh, and Steph were suggesting that we should adapt that song for, for Diego Fagundes. And I think that is absolutely fitting that just the amount of ground he covers, how hard he works, he is here, he's there, he's every effing where. And that, yeah, that would be great. So Morga, get on it. <laughs> it would fit him really well, too. Um, what about, so Gallagher, we talked about a little bit, you know, um, uh, Josh said in the press conference, uh, that he felt like that that was Gallagher's best performance of the year, um, on this, on this game. And then Gallagher, uh, was more critical of himself than Josh was, which is, I think probably something good that you always want out of a player. Um, and said that he needed to find that killer instinct and talked about how he managed to find it in Atlanta last year. Um, you know, when he scored, was it led, led the team with four goals, um, but he feels like, you know, the floodgates will open with his next goal. So it was really, it was good to see him play the way he did and really be aggressive and be a strong part of the attack. Absolutely. Gallagher also mentioned in the, I think he did the post-game press conference on Saturday. He mentioned a, an injury, a calf injury that he had been kind of nursing. And so if you think of when he had his best games, it was a little over a month ago. And then since then, he's been a little bit quiet. And so to see him say like, yeah, I'm healthy now. I'm feeling better. And to have a performance like this, even though still some, some things lacking, but showed some really bright moments. So hopefully we'll get some more out of him in the future. Um, other individuals I want to talk about, we already talked about Stuver. Amazing performance. Um, what was it? What are these stats that you have written here? Oh, I was looking at the X predicted, like X goals allowed, which is like the projected goals allowed. And, his X goals allowed was should be 18.2. Um, and we have allowed half that. So I think that shows a wow. pretty good, pretty good job of like by far the worst. I mean, the most, which is the worst in the league as far as like what you should expect. Um, so that I think that did a really good job, like in terms of numbers and, and showing like what he's doing to save us repeatedly so far this year. Yeah. In, in layman's terms, he's stopping shots that he shouldn't be yeah. able to stop <laughs> and, and not even a little bit like you should have let in 18 and yeah. let in nine like a exactly. bunch of shots yeah yeah um i thought coleman had a really solid game uh christian espinosa is like a little bit of like a he's kind of a, a son of a bitch in like in a good way like the kind that you want on your team and john was like battling him the whole game they're like going after each other and i thought he he showed like really good character to to fight like that and not ever get uh, not ever get discouraged or like get worked up too much with playing against a player like that, and then it was really solid on the ball, was really useful and build up and kind of carrying the ball forward. So I thought he was good. Um, Cecilio Dominguez, so played at the nine, like I said before, is dropping in, um, started some really nice moves, um, fought really hard. There's he would get challenged and he'd kind of put a shoulder into guy and, and ride a challenge and, and end up carrying the ball past that player did that several times. One thing that I really liked from Cecilio in this game and also from Pochettino, I, I noticed that in previous games that they would both kind of drop in and receive a ball from midfield or receive a ball from a center back. 
and there would be space behind them and they would just like receive the ball and kind of carry the ball backwards or like play a backwards pass in this game they were receiving it taking that half turn and driving forward which it's a thing that i've seen there for them to take in games before and they just weren't doing it and this time each of them did it several several times to end up creating some some pretty dangerous moves so i really liked that about both of them i think that's something that they can both be really dangerous on and then cecilia also just kind of with these little flicks he would one time pass it and then turn and make a run and he he was really dangerous there and so uh, I really liked what I saw from Cecilio. Now, um, but but you said he stood up to some stuff, but he did also pick up a uh, embellishment fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there, he also had some dramatic moments. And the friend who came with me, she's like, "I like this guy because he seems really talented and also very dramatic." And this is like that's kind of my thing. So oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, he was chasing. Um, I don't remember who the player was, but chasing him down the sideline defending it so cecilia worked really hard in defense as well he he was another guy who kind of emptied his tank by the end of the night but he was chasing a guy and the guy kind of like swats back at him with a hand and cecilia grabs his face and goes to ground i watched the like in in the stadium i was like he's probably faking it but i don't know for sure watching it again on tv afterwards definitely faking it, it the hand did not touch his face. It hit him in the chest. And apparently MLS, uh, like player punishment committee or whatever it's called agreed. And so they are giving him a fine. Glad he's not going to have to miss any games, but that's the, that's the game that Cecilio is playing. It's a game of risk and reward. And he, uh, took the risk side this time. Um, you have a note here about Manny Perez, which I think is an interesting uh, player to discuss briefly. Like, what? How do you feel about him? Yeah, he's uh, looked really good for the what little time he's on. He came on for Jared Stroud in the seventy-first minute. I thought he looked good again, like he did last week. Uh, I've seen some people saying they want to see him start a game. I'm not entirely sure if he brings like any technicality or skill that that Stroud or Gallagher don't already have. I'm I'm curious if it's just a uh, like a situation of him benefiting from being the fresh legs off the bench. Um, so I again like I I thought I thought he's looked good, but as far as him starting, like I haven't seen anything to make me think that he can do things that Jared Stroud and John Gallagher can't do. Uh, I'd I'd be happy for him to prove me wrong, but um, in in any case, like worst worst case scenario, he's a good spark off the bench, which is always a good thing to have. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I think I think he is going to get his chance to start probably in the next few weeks. Just yeah, maybe just on based Wednesday. on numbers, you know, and based upon the the depth. Uh, you know, Jimenez is back, but it's still a pretty thin roster. Um, how about how about some stats? I noticed we got out possessed for the third week in a row, but I didn't feel I felt like we still had the best of the opportunities. Only barely though. I think it was like a one percent difference by the end of the game. Um, and so yeah, it it. I think Austin started like the first 30 minutes, like 10 percentage points up on possession. And then after that, it um, San Jose went ahead. And then by the end of the game, it evened out. I think it was like 49-51 or something. But I think you're right. Austin got more shots. I think it was 20 shots to San Jose's 13. Um, it looked, San Jose had more on target, which was 9 to 6. But I feel like... 
I don't know. I, I felt the same way as you. Like, I feel like we were making more dangerous chances. Do the stats actually play that out or? Yes, we had, we had more chances created. We got, we got created them on chances of 14 and 11. There's another stat that's like big chances. I don't remember what it is. Like, I don't think it's called dangerous chances, but, you know, we, we led that one too. So, you know, I think that like Stuver had two, those two saves you talked about, but I mean, he had, for Stuver, he had a lot of like just sort of, Easy, There's, easy, yeah, saves. quite a few that just yeah. hit him in the chest and he caught him, right? Yeah, I mean, so they were on target, but they weren't really threats. And I, another one that I saw was Austin had eight blocked shots, like eight of their own shots blocked. And so, like, ones that maybe would have been on target that a defender gotten in the way of. Uh, so that may be a little bit skewed as well. But, but yeah, it was it, an encouraging thing to see more chances being created after several games in a row where that just wasn't happening at all. Even if none of them went in, like it would have been great for some of them to go in, but it's good to see that the chances are happening. Yeah. It felt like progress. Um, I think we should cover probably the most moon tower soccer topic um, that I forwarded you on Twitter. And that was the guys coming off the bus. Like who is your most, who's your most handsome. I don't know if it's the most handsome boy off the bus or like the best, the dressed. best dress, the best dress boy off the bus. And if you haven't seen Cecilio's, cowboy hat outfit texas belt buckle just get up like you should <laughs> and i think we have to exclude him from this competition yeah the, um, the twitter community quickly said like it was clearly cecilio so you just need to make a separate category of like cecilio wins who got second essentially who who is your pick jeremiah i think i like john gallagher's look i like oh, yeah. the all black suit with the black shirt and then in the post-game press conference he was wearing it again too and I feel like it would have been hard to get if, if I had run as much as John Gallagher did, I would want to be in like sweatshort, you know, like workout <laughs> shorts and a t-shirt, and not like get back into that suit. So I would say he's he's my second favorite. How about how about you? Uh, you know, like I've I've reviewed the tape several times, Jeremiah. I watched the game twice. I'll watch the guys getting off the bus at least twice. Uh, I got to go with my guy Julio. He just like wearing. It was like a much simpler. Uh, outfit than what Cecilio is wearing, but he just wore it. He looked so damn cool wearing it, and so I got to go with my guy Cecilio or my guy Julio. He did. He he looked really good too. And this is not um, outfit related, but uh, shout out again to Romagna's thighs. Uh, it's simply <laughs> was he was warm up in the corner, and this friend of mine that was at the game with me. She's like, "Who is that guy?" And like, <laughs> how many squats a day does he do? Uh, so it's pretty incredible. And Diego was like rocking the thighs too. Did you notice that? Like he did yeah. he like intentionally pull his shorts up for the second half or what was going there on? There was at one point, I think it was either Ashley or my mom was like, Did he did he take his shorts off? It looked like he was <laughs> like like going poo bear and just wearing a t shirt. Um uh, all right. Anything else we need to cover? No, I don't think so. I think we can probably wrap wrap up this part of it. Okay. Uh, all right, let's um, transition into the upcoming week. So we've got, like I said before, busy week, Minnesota on Wednesday in Minnesota, and then we've got Columbus here in Austin on Sunday. Uh, what do we know about Minnesota? I guess we've already seen them play, but what, what, what has changed for them since the last time we saw them? Well, again, we thought they were going to be really good going into the season, and a lot of us picked them to... Uh... Picked, picked them to win the Western Conference, but they still they sit currently in 11th. They're uh, just behind Austin, who's in 10th, but they played one less match. I mean, they've, they've scored only seven goals through eight games, so they're definitely searching for answers in the attack. Uh, and Robin 
was it Lude? I think they pronounced Lude. Robin Lude is the only player who has more than one one goal um, so far this year for them, and he actually will not be playing uh, in the Austin match because he's uh, on international duty and playing in the Euros. So they're still looking for answers in the attack, but they what is the they just. They recently added two attackers who were finally in town, or what? what what's they, the deal with these guys? So they had signed Adrian Unu is a striker that they had actually signed before our last game, but like I think they had like literally just signed the paperwork, so I don't even know if he's in the country yet. He is now playing and uh, looked looked pretty good in their their most recent game. And then another guy was playing on the left wing, Franco Fra- Fragapane. Um, I think. I think for one of the goals, maybe they're, I don't know if it was their only goal or one of two goals, but Fragapane ended up assisting. No, I think it's the other way around. Unu assisted a goal for Fragapane. And so uh, this is going to be a pretty different attack than what we saw in the game, that first game against Minnesota. Um, recent form hasn't been great. I think it's, two draws and then did they win two or they, they, well they won two one the one right before that so okay in the last three matches they played dallas rsl and dallas they beat dallas and they've drawn rsl and dallas i'm in the last three matches and i think this will be interesting overall because josh talked about you know squad rotation given midweek games um and also mentioned you know so we still have he said today i think you know schoenfeld and um Houston are still both that do not expect to see them anytime soon. So I think the lack of depth in the roster is going to be a factor again um, on Wednesday for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to cut to an interview with Patrick Murphy from SB nation's massive report in Columbus to, to preview the Columbus game here in a second. One thing I want to say before we do that is this next month or so is going to be pretty rough. We've got, uh, three games this week. After that, we come home, and I think we play Portland, Seattle, LAFC, and I can't remember, or in Columbus, who's in good form right now. A really tough stretch of games, also on a, a thin roster, and in a moment where it's very obvious where we need reinforcements, but we can't sign them yet because the win- the window's not open yet. So... <laughs> I think it's going to be probably a kind of trying month for Austin fans. Um, I still like, I would encourage fans to still like not give up hope yet. I think there's going to be moments in the next month. I'm predicting moments in the next month where we're probably going to want to, but I still say let's wait until August to really judge this team. Once we can bring in those reinforcements and see what the team looks like after that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough a tough stretch of stretch of games here for sure. All right, let's take a, a quick break and we'll be back with Patrick Murphy of the Massive Report. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FBF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FVF.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. All right, we are now joined by Patrick Murphy of SB Nation's Massive Report. Patrick, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. 
first of all, just tell us a little bit about your background as a, as a fan and as a writer and who, who all you write for. Yeah. So I was a fan well before I started writing, obviously. Um, you know, I got into the crew very casually as like a young kid um, through my dad and, and kind of as a family thing back when it first kind of got started in 96. Um, I actually lived in St. Louis at the time. My dad had just moved to Columbus and married my stepmom. So we were coming up on weekends from time to time and, and going to games when it was at Ohio Stadium. Um, we moved here just before the stadium opened in Columbus. And, uh, you know, my parents at that point had season tickets. And um, yeah, so I started going to games very young, uh, was, was a big fan throughout high school and, and most of college started kind of doing some media stuff while I was in college at Ohio State. And then that kind of evolved from there and um, doing stuff for Mass Report really helped, honestly, to, to help me find a career. I cover um, Ohio State football, and basketball and some other sports now. So um, it was kind of a, a resume builder springboard type of thing um, that I stuck with because, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. I've always had a passion for soccer and, and the team and whatnot. So, um, yeah, kind of a kind of a nice, nice helper out there that I, I really enjoy. So the expectations for the crew were really high at the beginning of the season. They ended up having a pretty slow start and looked looked pretty rough for the first several games, but they're now starting to find their form. I think it's three wins in a row. Yeah. Um, so what what is kind of the sentiment around the crew right now and how, how do things feel around the team? As you said, I mean, you know, you come off an MLS Cup win. Uh, the expectations are going to be high, even on kind of a weird year like last year was. Um, and then you add some big names from at least MLS circles and, and Bradley Wright Phillips and Kevin Molino, um, you know, that only increases expectations, especially locally. So um, yeah, it, I mean, it definitely was a tough start. They had a handful of injuries coming into the season that I don't think you, you generally just expect. Um, I mentioned Molino. He just made his debut this past weekend because he was, he was dealing with injuries for the first, I don't know, was it three months into the season now? Um, and, you know, he was their big, probably off-season signing. A uh, handful of other guys have, have dealt with a lot of things. So that, on top of playing in the CONCACAF Champions League, uh, they obviously made it to to the, uh, I think it's around a 16, the, the second round of, of this year's tournament. Um, you know, so that added four more games to the slate early on. Um, you know, so it was honestly probably handled about as well as they could have. Um, you know, you'd like to see them get some more results, couple, couple draws that, you know, if, if things go a different way, maybe, you know, you end up with three points in one of those games, but, um, you know, all in all, I think the team felt given all of that, that they were in a good spot coming out of, of the champions league, um, you know, finally started to turn the form right before this, this three week international break had two, two wins in a row. They wanted to carry that momentum over into this last weekend's game got a win against Chicago, um, the last game at, at Cruz stadium. So, you know, it was, it was a big kind of emotional night for, for a variety of reasons, but one of the big things was you know, getting a W and, and kind of keeping that momentum rolling. And, and the team was happy to do that. So yeah, things seem to be moving more in, in a positive direction, but guys are still coming back from injury. Team's not still fully healthy. Um, so, you know, it'll be Interesting, um, you know, another midweek match this week, um, kind of how it all rolls into to this game on Sunday. Can you talk a little bit about the style of play, like what people should expect if they're watching the, the game on Sunday? 
Sure. Um, it's not a ton different than, than the way that I know Josh Wolf plays, um, with, with Austin, you know, um, obviously he's a disciple of, of Greg Berhalter when, when Greg was here and, you know, Caleb Porter plays a, a similar, not completely, um, same way, but, you know, still possession focus, a lot of building out of the back. He'll play, they'll play a little bit more direct than I think Josh prefers to. Um, and, and obviously Greg did, but, um, yeah, I mean, similar type of type of setup, uh, and, you know, you know, a holding midfielder, they'll sometimes drop in with the center backs, wing backs that push high a lot of the time. Now that's changed a little bit based on personnel this year, but, uh, they've, they've kind of figured that out. Um, you know, they, they look to put in a lot of balls into the box for Jassy's art as that's his thing. Um, just, just you know, popping up in the right spots as he did on Saturday. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to look, I honestly think it'll be two teams that want to play very similarly in this game. Um, and you know, it'll kind of come down to, to which can do that, but yeah, a lot of possession, um, they want to control the game. They want to play entertaining soccer. Uh, you know, it was funny when Caleb came here, a lot of the same things that, that Greg Berhalter used to say about how they want to play is like that. And, um, you know, I know from Josh's time here that he kind of follows that, uh, that methodology. So Austin and Columbus probably had the two biggest parties in, in MLS this year or this week with Austin opening a new stadium, Columbus close, saying goodbye to a stadium. There's of course other history between these two teams. Uh, do you think this is going to turn into a proper, proper rivalry or do you think this is something that will kind of fizzle out over time? Yeah, it's funny. We were, you know, we just got done recording our podcast for this week and, uh, we had a very similar conversation and it's interesting the mixed opinions that I get, not only from, from the guys I was just with, but from other crew fans I talked to, you know, some people are, are very adamant that, that they do not like Austin because of, of the history you, you kind of alluded to. Um, others are, you know, like that doesn't matter. We, we got our team, they got their team, uh, you know, let bygones be bygones. So uh, my kind of perspective is that I think this game really matters to probably both sets of fans, um, or at least, you know, both teams. I know talking to some of the crew players that were here, um, you know, when everything was happening a few years ago, like th this matters to them because, because of that history. But I feel like after this, this first game, and, and maybe, you know, if next year the game's in Columbus, if, if the two teams play again, maybe the first game in Columbus. But to me, it seems like, you know, this becomes a, a, just a normal game. Um, you know, obviously, MLS is, is building this one up, putting it on national TV and whatnot. But, you know, I think in a rivalry, you need to play regularly. You need to have a lot of history, things like that. And it's just it's going to be tough being in separate conferences and, and, and things. You know, I think it's an interesting story that could, if they were closer proximity or something like that, could kind of build into something that maybe even years down the line, people don't even really know how it started, but with the way the league set up, I think it's just tough. If you only play once a year, maybe not even um, to, to kind of keep that going. Uh, but I do think Saturday or Sunday, I guess will be, um, will be a, a game that will be contentious uh, on, on both sides of things. And I think, you know, both teams want to get a win for, for a variety of reasons. So have you heard about, do you think there'll be many Columbus supporters who make the trip down? Like, is it a, is it a destination thing or not? Um, I, again, there's like a mixed group. 
you know, there's some people that's like, we're not going down there. And there's other people that I know definitely looked into it. I know there was a big thing made about the price of away tickets uh, this past, like last week, um, which, you know, I, is, is an entirely separate issue that could, we could talk about on a whole, whole different topic. But, um, you know, I, I would imagine that some crew fans would be down there. But, um, you know, I haven't heard, I honestly expected there to be more people interested in going for this game than what I've heard about. Now, you know, I am not as engaged at, with, with the fan base as I used to be now covering it. Um, but, uh, you know, like the people that I talk to regularly, it doesn't sound like there's, there's a huge traveling contingent, which I think would have been cool. Um, you know, I think it's cool for any game to have, you know, like last weekend at the last crew game, there was a good amount of fire fans that had their section and, you know, it just makes the atmosphere more interesting. Um, I certainly think it would have been interesting for this game. Obviously uh, I hope, you know, hopefully nothing would have happened in a, in a negative sense, but um, you know, I think it would have been fun, but uh, no, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll be interested to see the, the numbers. I will be there uh, covering the game. So, I'm excited to see everything down there, but um, I, I don't know how many crew fans. I, I would be surprised if it's a large contingent at this point. We should, we'll buy you a beer. Look us up. We'll, we'll, we'll right. be happy to do that for sure. We'll be down there. Um, and any, I think any crew fans, um, we'd be happy to do, to do that before uh, for that for it too. So th- this is my question. Like We saw the pre-court as a snake banner um, yeah. that flew over the stadium. And I haven't asked Landon this either. I personally enjoy this kind of like <laughs> petty fan antagonism. And it would encourage more of it. So, like, I'm 100% behind it. But, like, what did you think about it? And do you know where, where it came from? Um, so, I didn't even know about it until Sunday. I was playing in my co-ed rec soccer game. And somebody brought it up. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard about it. I hadn't seen it. There had been so much going on on Saturday on my end that I didn't. I just, I missed that somehow. Um, so, no, I don't know. Now, we, we were discussing this again. On, on our podcast here just a little while ago. And one of the guys uh, said, he, he did know who did it. I didn't pry on who did it. Um, but he said that the, the person who did it's sole focus was to derail pre-court's moment uh, and, and, you know, make it so that he's not as focused on this event, which is obviously a big deal. And, you know, kind of put that in the back of his mind. Um, I, I, I think you just use the word petty. Uh, I do think it is that I think it was funny when I heard about it. Um, you know, here's what I will say. Everything that happened with, with Anthony here, anytime I ever interacted with him, which was, you know, a decent amount. I mean, he wasn't around a ton, but, but a good amount. Um, he was always great to me. Um, I remember one time very specifically, we were out at practice and, and he came over to me and, and the Columbus dispatch writer at the time and, and you know, stood there and chatted with us. Um, you know, it was always a nice guy. I, you know, uh, so, you know, I, I do think it's a little petty to do it. Am I surprised? Not at all. Um, you know, so, so maybe this is, you know, I don't know if stuff like this keeps happening, I guess this could be a bit more of a rivalry, maybe in the stands more than on the field. But, um, you know, again, I think this is probably stuff that will, you know, kind of go by the wayside after, you know, this season or, or whatnot. Yeah. I w- <laughs> I was asking people like how many people in the Austin stadium even knew what that was about. And sure. I, my guess was below 20%. Do you have a, a number there, Jeremiah? I, yeah, that seems, that's probably true. I mean like where I was, cause we were right by the supporter section. Obviously a lot of people, a larger than average percentage of people knew it, but like 
the the friend of mine I took to the game, she was like, first of all, who's Anthony Precourt? And then second <laughs> of all, like, why would somebody say he's a snake? Like, I thought Matthew McConaughey on the team. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I've gotten that sense too um, with, with other people I've talked to that, that live down there or are affiliated with the team that, you know, there isn't a ton of, you know, recognition. You know, I think there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter from, from some people, but I think that was a minority of, of both fan bases. Um, you know, I know it got kind of heated between those people, but, you know, at least from the crew perspective, I think it was like four or five people that were really, you know, jerks on Twitter. And I imagine it was the same, you know, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember every Austin fan that I was told about, but, um, you know, so there, there was that, like specifically four or five. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's probably the same. It's, it's, you know, it gets magnified because everyone sees it or it gets sent out in, in group chats or, or whatever. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, I've never been to Austin. Like I said, I'll be down there. I'm excited. But everyone I've ever talked to has, you know, compared it very favorably to Columbus. I think college football towns that, you know, have kind of built around that. So I think that it's funny because I think a lot of people here really like look at Austin as kind of like a, a sister city type of thing. And you know, the only animosity previously was, you know, Ohio State, Texas football games uh, and that those happen even less regularly than MLS games will. So uh, it's it's funny that this has become a thing. And I think it's there was so such a minor group that really got into it um, that that's why I don't think it will it will remain a thing unless the league like continues to push it as a nationally televised game and brings the story up every year and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's going to be uh in in any case, it should be a fun a fun event on Sunday. Yeah. So we're all looking forward to it. And like Jeremiah said, let us know where where you're going to be, and we'll come find you and buy you a beer. Sounds good. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, for sure. All right. We want to thank Patrick one more time for joining us to talk about the Columbus game. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one to see, Jeremiah. It's who knows what's going to happen? I, I think I've I've always been of the belief that what happens in this game could kind of set a tone for what the rivalry becomes. But again, it could just end up being nothing if we don't ever play each other again. But yeah, it'd be exciting to see. All right. Before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us grow our audience and uh, expo- exposes the show to more people. If you know someone who enjoys soccer, enjoys Austin FC, or is looking to get into it, please let them know about the show. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we'd like to thank all the folks who have left us reviews over the last couple of weeks. We've reached out on social media. Uh, we've had some fun conversations over the last couple of weeks on Twitter and uh, and on Instagram. You can find us there uh, at Moon Tower Soccer on both Twitter and Instagram. And then our personal ones are at LVAHero87 and then jbentley underscore ATX. Also like to ask you to visit the Striker Texas website. Jeremiah, do you have a, an article in mind this week? Yeah, there's a good one from Chris Bills, uh, which it's specifically about an issue that we've touched on, but we didn't directly address on the show because honestly, we ran out, that we ran out of time. But it is how can Austin FC get its offense unstuck before Columbus scores first at Q2? Which, for those of us that were in the Great Twitter Wars of 2017, 2018, <laughs> I think the Columbus crew scoring the first goal at Q2 Stadium would be a real kick in the pants, as they say. It's a real concern, isn't it? It is for sure. So. Yeah, so read Chris's article, um, see the plan for getting our offense unstuck as soon as this weekend. 
All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in one week of the new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, where we will cover uh, two games, which we've never done before. So we're going to have to figure out how to squeeze two two games into one show. Uh, we'll also preview the, the upcoming match against Seattle and, uh, yeah, any other news that comes up in between now and then. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. No one is around.